This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. This is episode 170, during which we're going to be talking quilting, folks, specifically modern quilting and finding inspiration in the everyday. That's a little hint. Can you guess who my guest might be? I am Heather Jones. I am 39. I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. I'm 39, too. High five, Heather. (laughs) Heather has a new book out called Quilt Local, Finding Inspiration in the Everyday, this book includes 40 projects, and it's a STC craft book. It's lovely. The photographs are great. The projects are really great. And there are 20 different projects in this book. They are presented in two colorways. Heather and I are going to spend some time talking about her book. We're going to talk about how she got into quilting. We also are going to chat about her creative roots and how she made a name for herself on the national quilt scene. Before we get started, I would like to thank my Patreon sponsors for continuing to keep the show going. Thank you so much, you lovely people. Really, um, I really appreciate your support. And many thanks to Ted and his team over at ACSHomeAndWork.com for sponsoring the podcast. I really appreciate your support. Okay, folks, this is your cue to go grab a project, heat yourself up a cup of tea, and settle in for a very inspiring chat with Heather Jones. Well, how did this book even come to fruition? What inspired this book? I had this idea actually a while ago, even before I started working on it. This was how kind of how I kind of fell in love with my own quilt. And that sounds sort of vain. I don't mean that in that <laughs> way, but you know how I I've always I've always loved quilts and antique quilts and vintage quilts, but I never started quilting really until about five or well, about five years ago. Regular And one of the first projects that I did was something that was inspired by something local to me. And after I worked uh, on that project, that really just kind of became one of my favorite ways to work. And so I continued to work that way, and I still continue to work that way and in that um, theme today. So, you know, I, I find inspiration in sometimes very strange places. Strange how so? Strange and just... You know, it, it can be in some of the projects in my book. I mean, I've got one that was inspired by uh, a painted grid in a parking lot of mm-hmm. a big box store, um, <laughs> bathroom, tile, abandoned buildings. I mean, things that sometimes I think um, a lot of people might not even notice. I think also not traditionally beautiful. Right, you know, I mean, a lot right. of people are inspired by, you know, beautiful flowers and things like that. And that's wonderful. But like, I think it's a really, I think it's a gift to be able to find inspiration and beauty in things that may not look necessarily beautiful or inspirational on the surface right. or at a quick glance. But then if you start, you know, noticing things around you, I think you become more open to doing just that. It's also really awesome when you can go out and make a piece of art that really is truly from your backyard or from your community and um, and b- have it be really your own quilt, your own kind of commentary on the world in, in fabric form. And it sounds like you've embraced yeah. that whole concept. Yeah, that's what excites me too. I mean, you know, the, the book has 20 patterns in two colorways. So I did each project in two colorways. Um, and so if people want to, you know, just copy that pattern, even use the exact same fabric, the colors that I use, that's fine. But to me, that's, you know, what you're talking about, that's the exciting part, because I also give people um, 
information on how that they can do this themselves if they want to go that far. I mean, you, they certainly don't have to, but yeah, if people want, I mean, and that's really my, my hope is that people will look and see, you know, at their surroundings and create things based on that, like you were talking about. And that's really, really what excites me because I want to see what people will do as a result of this. And I also was really excited for you because when I saw that Denise Schmidt wrote your the yeah. foreword, that is like, that's pretty awesome, sister. High five. <laughs> it's very, it's very, thank you. It's very awesome. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, Denise has been, I've known Denise for a couple of years now and um, she's been very supportive of my work. And I, I mean, uh, you know, I have to say if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be where I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I mean, she has a huge influence on me and it's such an honor, you know, to have her um, write the foreword. I mean, it was just really a dream come true. So I'm really, and I know she's so busy and um, I'm so excited that she made the time to do that for me. It was really, really special. I couldn't think of anyone else um, better for that job. So I'm glad it worked out. Can you share a little bit about the story of how the two of you got connected? So this was, gosh, probably back in 2010, 2011, the Modern Quilt Guild had, um, it was a year long um, challenge. It was a series of design challenges. It was a four part, four challenges over the course of the year. There were different themes. One was um, to create a quilt that was designed by something. It could be anything. Um, one was to do one that was monochromatic. One was to do one that was organic. And then the fourth one was to find your own voice. So each of these challenges had a specific theme. They had a specific judge. And basically you had to, uh, if you wanted to enter, you made a quilt and submitted photographs and a write-up about your project, and that was that. And at that point, I was really just getting into quilting um, on my own. And um, I ended up winning three of the challenges, which was crazy because I never fathomed wow. I would win any. And it, it wasn't <laughs> just – I mean, I, I entered I entered these challenges because it was a design challenge. I mean, it was a challenge to myself. Um, and – you know, I had never made a monochromatic quilt. So I thought, well, here we go. This was kind of forcing me to do these things. So I put these challenges on myself. And then the, the fourth theme, the fourth um, challenge was find your own voice. And to me, that was the most difficult because that is so open-ended. You know, I mean, it could really mean anything. And she was, and Denise was the judge for that one. And I made a quilt that was inspired by a silo at, um, a farm that's not too far from where I live. And she chose that as one of the, as one of the winners. There was each, each challenge had three winners. So I was one of the winners. I just remember being so touched by what she had to say about my work. And, you know, each of the challenges, if you won, you got a prize package and they were beautiful packages, like, you know, fabric and thread and whatnot, beautiful things. But to me, the prize was what she had to say about my work, because I mean, it's really, you know, I hold her in such high esteem and um, to hear and to read what she had to say about my work was really, I mean, that was the prize, you know, I mean. Oh, I can't even was, imagine how awesome that, that was, must have been. Yeah, yeah, that was the worst. That was just, that was just amazing. So um, that is how she came to know about my work. And then we met in person um, at Quilt Market later that year. So she's been, you know, really supportive, even in the, um, early stages of writing the book because she had written her last book with STC craft as well. So she'd worked with Melanie Fallick, my editor. Um, So it was really nice. She was, you know, said, you know, if you have any questions, please let me know. I'm happy to help. So there were, you know, a couple of times where I did take her up on that, where I would send her an email and uh, ask her some things. And so, yeah, she's been such, you know, a supportive person to my work, which is really, really pretty pretty nice it's pretty, yeah pretty well it's really and it's such a, a yeah. great way to get connected too uh because you weren't you didn't have to go yeah. up and introduce yourself really as an unknown person to her you got on her radar with your work being impressive which is really fantastic so okay I, yeah you know, i mean it, the first time i met her she didn't know who i mean i had to tell her who well I of was, course but, but, um, but she had seen probably course, seen your work yeah, yeah. and that's yes, most people that said don't... yes and she put two and two together yeah yeah, yeah no that's really that's really cool and so then to have her yeah. uh that's it's just four short years later you're i'm holding a book yeah she's written the forward i know your life has I changed know, right? so it's much so, since that that contest it sounds like real <laughs> you know it's 
it's kind of surreal. It's, I mean, it's, it's really funny too, because, um, and I've, I've had projects in, in like collaborative books before. I mean, and I was actually asked a number of years ago to do a book, um, a solo book. And I just, I didn't feel it was like the right time for me. And, um, you know, like I said, I really just started doing this regularly, quilting regularly back in 2010. Um, so I felt like I needed to find, kind of find my voice, like kind of figure out my aesthetic and my work. It's not like I you know, was coming to this craft um, after, you know, X number of years, you know, it's not like I grew up in a family of quilters. So I really am glad that I waited um, to write a book because I feel that if I had done it earlier, it wouldn't have been the same. Were you at that point thinking that you had made it? I mean, did you have in the back of your mind, were you concerned that if you didn't take that offer, you wouldn't get another one? Because I think a lot of people feel like the first, no. they got to take the first offer. Otherwise they panic a little bit. And I think a lot of people do. Um, but for me, it was, I, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was the right time. Um, I, you know, but I, like I said, in the meantime, I had done projects in other people's books or in books that right. are, you know, a kind of collaborative basis. So that's, and I think that's a great way to kind of get your feet wet because writing a book is a huge amount of work. Um, and so it's a nice way to kind of ease into that, um, you know, working on these collaborative books, if you have the opportunity or if someone has the opportunity to do, mm-hmm. that, to do that. I was never concerned with mean it in any way like oh of course I was going to get another book offer a book offer to me it was that wasn't important I would have rather I I was more interested in waiting and kind of putting my best work out there or what I felt was my best work out there rather than just doing a book for the sake of doing a book taking that opportunity right no I think that's great so that's why it worked for me and I'm glad I did it that way but on the other hand um, the more I'm in this career um, you know, this career of a handmade business, what works for one person may not work for somebody else. Right. And I always liken, I always liken it to, you know, if you want to be a nurse or, you know, something with clear, distinguished definitions, you know, there are classes that you take and exams that you take, and then that's what you do. <laughs> but with a handmade business, it's not that way at all. No, you know, you're kind you, of making it up as you go it, along. You're making it up as you go along. You are also, I mean, if you were, I feel like I've been fortunate that people that I respect and admire who are successful in this business, you know, I've become friends with them. And if, you know, you can learn from them, that's an amazing thing too. But even that, you know, what one person likes to do may not be your favorite thing to do, or, you know, you may try something and think, oh, you know, let's try this. And then you realize, oh, you know, I might not like doing that. So um, (laughs) it's great to share advice and to get advice from people who have kind of gone before you. But it's all, I mean, they're all so different and unique. And that's kind of the wonderful thing about this type of a business, but also kind of the scary and um, challenging part too. Well, let's back up for a second and kind of retrace your steps. Yeah. So when you uh, came on the scene uh, as just a you know, little kid, you know, kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to be when you grew up, um, what did you want mm-hmm. to be when you were a kid? What did you think you wanted to do? I was always creative. I mean, as a kid, I was creative. And when I was in high school, I loved to paint and draw. That was my first love, fine art. And so when I was in high school, I was thinking that I wanted to major in art, but my mother wasn't the most um, supportive of that idea. She was more, she didn't want me to be a starving artist and it was totally out of love and I totally understand that, but she wanted me to get a career and to, you know, go to school and to have a career where I could support myself, which is a wonderful thing. So when I started college, I was pre-med because I also love science. I really love biology, especially. So I started college as a pre-med student, and I would always take art, fine art classes and art history classes as my require or as my kind of my humanities requirements. So they were still requirements, but they were like my fun classes. And I just, I mean, that's what I loved. But, you know, I thought, yeah, I need to get a job that, you know, when I graduate, that I can support myself. That was very much taught to me at a young age. So um, that was my plan. But then when I was 21, when I turned 21, my dad took me to Greece 
for uh, kind of my birthday present with a group of people. And it sounds a little bit corny, but it really kind of changed my life. I mean, I was, you know, looking at the Parthenon and something that I've seen in books and studied, you know, in my classes, and that was, you know, thousands of years old. And I thought, you only live once. I'm going to follow my heart and do what I really want to do. Um, and so my third year of college, I changed my major to art history. After so, Was it right after that trip? It was, yeah, it was right after that trip. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. great. So you just yeah. came back. Did your, did your father realize what he was unleashing or unlocking kind of <laughs> on that trip? And then, <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, he was always more supportive of my like love of art. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not as practical as my mom. <laughs> so, you know, he is, uh, he's, you know, has been supportive of whatever I wanted to do. So he wasn't, um, you know, neither one were upset. It was just, you know, if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. So, and at that point I, I decided on art history rather than fine arts because honestly, like I questioned my talent and my skill and my abilities. And it's, a lot easier to learn about other artists than to put yourself out there. So that's why I did art history because I was still, you know, in the artistic field, but not as, um, not as scary as putting yourself out there. You had a little less pressure to perform because you were instead going to inform. You were going to inform instead of perform. And were you making stuff at that point though? Were you, were you like a weekend artist at that point or uh, somewhat, but at that point, um, some, but not a whole lot. Okay. Cause I was, you know, I was taking other classes. I mean, I was taking, you know, I actually, I have a minor in chemistry because I took all these classes. Oh, wow. So, okay. So you could like, blow, you know, you could yeah. blow up stuff at a quilt show if you wanted to, like well, do a little science experiment, you know, you know and. Uh, that know, was a long said, time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll just put, I don't just use put some, chemistry that much. You could do like Mentos Excuse and me. Diet Coke outside as a. You to could music, to music or something. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, you could. And I, I love to bake, and that's really kind of like science too. So that's that about is. the you know yeah. baking is like the gist or the the extent of my uh, chemistry these days. Did you take longer then to get through school if you if you changed your major later? Did it take you? Yeah. Three? Okay. So how long did you did you take to to get out of so school? So it took me five years to do my undergrad. Okay. Um, and I I went to the University of Cincinnati, and my dad works there. So my college tuition was free until I was 25. Excellent. Which was really nice. Yeah, Yeah, it was really great. So I got my bachelor's in art history and then I had two more. And so I graduated at 23 and then I had two more years on my uh, tuition remission. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to go as far as I can without having to pay. So I um, signed up for their, yeah. So I got into their graduate program. And what did you study in graduate? Art history as okay. well. Okay. Yeah. And then when you graduated, what did you end up doing? So I got a job at the Cincinnati Art Museum um, when I was, it was my first year in grad school. So I was juggling um, working and going to school at that point. Oh. But it was a good opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I worked at the Cincinnati Art Museum for about three years. Okay. And did you, do they have a fiber collection there? Was there... Was there anything that was close to quilting at that point, or was it just general their general collection? Uh, I worked on. I actually worked in their American collection and worked with um, actually things that were made in Cincinnati, which was really cool. And but at that point, honestly, like I really wasn't quilting or sewing for that matter. Um, I've always loved quilts. I've always loved, like I said, I think earlier, I've always loved antique and vintage quilts, um, and I've actually collected them since I was a teenager. Um, so I've always been drawn to them, but I only had one person in my family that made them. And we, we have a couple of, we have some of hers, but, um, so I always had this love of quilting, but I was intimidated by it because to me, I mean, you know, you look at a quilt and you see all the little pieces that it's made out of. And usually, you know, they're not small, if they're usable, you know, they're usually a decent size. Mm-hmm. So I was really intimidated, honestly, by the act of quilting. So, um, I was more interested, you know, in college in, in sculpture than fibers. Okay. And so what? At least studying. 
So what le- what led you to the sewing machine? What led me to the sewing machine? A couple things did. Um, when I was in grad school, actually, I worked, um, Cincinnati has a program called Artworks. And it's a really awesome program that happens every summer where uh, local artists teach high school students um, job and life skills through the arts. And so I was a teaching artist one summer, I think it was in 99, um, 99 or 2000. And our project, I was one of three, one of four teaching artists in our group. We had about 15 or 18 students. Um, and our project was wearable art. So okay. we did a lot of sewing then. We And it was so fun because we had students who were making, um, you know, patterns, you know, written patterns and patterns that you could get, you know, your local fabric store, um, to people making their own designs. And this was before Project Runway. So, I mean, I think this was, it was really cool. We did silkscreen. We did all sorts of stuff that summer. And then our um, end of the term project was a fashion show at the Contemporary Art Center in Cincinnati. So it was really an amazing thing. So I worked all summer there and really that's when I started sewing. But at that point, it was mostly like curtains and um, things around the house, pillows and things. But I didn't really start quilting until I actually was pregnant with my first child. Um, He was born in 2006, and I made a quilt for him. Not, you know, I still wasn't quilting regularly because then I had another baby in 2008. (laughs) So, um, you know, that was... You didn't have a lot of time. (laughs) Oh, crazy. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of time. But what I did have when I started then was a handmade business designing and making things for children and babies. So that's kind of when the sewing, uh, regularly, the sewing thing really began to take off for me and when I was doing it all the time was with I when I started that. So and I had I had made some quilts. So I was sewing a lot, doing that type of stuff. But then it was I saw um the G's band exhibit in gosh, when was that? Two thousand I guess that was two thousand two, so that was pre kids. That was life changing. That still didn't push me enough to start doing it myself, but that was an amazing experience. Then seeing the work of Denise Schmidt, of course, really was inspiring. But then it was really the rise of the Modern Quilt Guild uh, and the modern quilting movement as it, you know, happened online. I mm-hmm. would look at these blogs and be so inspired. Um, so that was really kind of what pushed me over the edge in terms of making quilts. I get the sense from reading your book and from seeing your blog and looking at your work that you have fallen in love with quilting. Like you love it. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think, I think really, I mean, one of the things that propelled it was, and I think I forgot to mention. So, you know, when I started reading these blogs online, these, you know, around 2010, these quilting blogs, and, you know, I looked at the Modern Quilt Guild's website to see if there was a chapter in my area and there was not. So, this was 2010. It was, we started, I started the Cincinnati Modern, the Cincinnati chapter of the Modern Quilt Guild in 2010. And we kind of got together online through, you know, various websites um, in February and we held our first meeting in April. And so when I started or when, you know, we got together, the people that we had like 10, 10 people and everyone was like, you know, since you started it, you are the president. So <laughs> and at that point I had made a couple quilts, honestly, you know, I'd made a couple, but I would not have, called myself a quilter because I just, you know, I was like, yeah, I've made maybe two or three. And how old were your um, kids at nothing... that point? How old were your kids? So, yeah, <laughs> 2010, they were four and two. Okay. So, yeah, they were little. They were little. But so, you know, the people in this newly formed guild uh, made me president. So I thought, if I'm the president of the guild, I need to start walking the walk, right? I, <laughs> I need to make a lot of guild without. <laughs> yeah, I need to start quilting, I guess, right? So... That's kind of what I did. Yeah, the pressure um, was on. So it sounds like being the, the president pressure, well, being the president was actually really good for your career, it sounds like. You know, I don't know that 
Just having that pressure, I mean, certainly, a little kick in the pants, you know, to, <laughs> to get quilting. <laughs> yeah, I think a kick in the pants. Yeah, I don't feel like anything. I don't, it was, if anything, it was a kick in the pants. I don't feel like, you know, because I was the president, you know, I got no, a, but what um, I me- No, what I meant by know, that is because they were, like, you felt like, man, I better do something. Because I'm, yes, you know, no, for so I can sure. live up to my title here. Uh, yeah, I know well, that's a lot. right. I mean, I was like, yeah, if I'm going to be the president of this guild, I need to, you know, make some quilts, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I think what I, you know, what I do is I draw on my fine art background and my art history background. And, you know, I've always, and, and you talked a little bit about this earlier, you know, I mean, really the art of quilting for many people is following a pattern and making the same thing that everyone else does mm-hmm. or that other people do. And oftentimes using the same fabric and that has never really interested me. And I think it has to do with that I'm more accustomed to making things up as I go and making things that are unique to me, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a painting or, or what. Um, so I think that I bring that and I've always brought that to my work. And I think that is, you know, maybe that's one reason why my work stood out and stands out because I feel like it doesn't look like anybody else's in a industry and in a craft really where, you know, so much of it is, based on duplication. Now, I'm curious about at what point starting a guild and then you're suddenly they're like, okay, you can be our president. And you're like, okay, I better get quilting. Uh, how soon right. was it that you started really busting out with a lot of your own designs? I mean, have you, did you ever follow a pattern or did you always make no. something out of your head? Yeah, I always, yeah, I never, fo- I have never followed a pattern. Uh, other than the ones that I've written, it was immediately that I started to do my own thing. Um, you know, I've made things with log cabins, you know, with traditional style blocks. Yeah. But um, never sat down and followed a pattern, you know, step by step throughout the whole thing. Okay. So, yeah, from the get go, I was doing my own um, and, you know, kind of figuring it out as I went and working just uh, like I do to this day, just in a sketchbook with uh, graph paper um, and simple math, just working out the pattern pieces and whatnot, um, really kind of in an old-fashioned way, I guess. Well, and how many, how soon did you know that, or I guess how soon did you realize that others wanted your patterns, like others wanted to make what you were making? I'm going to question that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) that's you know I still I still question that but no I mean I people asked for some patterns so and I've I've just done digital patterns so far um I am working on getting things in print that's a whole nother uh beast but um you know people seem to respond to the work um when I put it out there which was never at all my intention it was just really um kind of following my own um, kind of design and aesthetics and just, you know, just kind of playing with fabric in and, and a way that I had not done it before. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, I didn't set out to do anything like this. I mean, I never, you know, I didn't have a grand, you know, business plan or a grand um a plan of any type. It was, it's all been very organic. So, um, it's been a crazy ride, but it's been fun. Yeah. So it's just, and, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's, I do feel like, um, I, that this love has always been with me. Like I said, I mean, you know, I've always had this respect and admiration for quilts, but didn't, um, for many reasons, you know, didn't start doing it until later in life, but I love, there's just something beautiful about working with fabric and to make something that's, I think, beautiful, but also um, useful and is not just something that hangs on a wall or, um, you know, sits there, but actually has a purpose, I think is really great. too. Oh, yeah. And it's tangible. It's something that you, um, you know, you can actually wrap yourself up in it or wrap your kids up in it. And and that's the best kind of usable art I think there is yes. out there <laughs> because yeah, it's, it, I agree. they're beautiful, but they don't have to be precious where you don't touch no. it or use it. Cause I know for me, That's I've never, right. I've never really made, unless I'm talking about, I've made some really small, like um, eight by eight or 10 by 10 
quilts uh-huh. that are, are wall. I mean, clearly you can't wrap yourself up in a, in a 10 inch square right. unless you're very small. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not that small. So yeah, it doesn't do me any good, but all the other quilts I've made are intended to be used and washed and thrown around, yeah. you know, and just, um, you know, so it's, uh, that first stain can sometimes be terrible when you see a kid spill Kool-Aid or something you're like, Oh no, Oh no, That's no, no. Right. But you know, you get over it and you're like, okay, this adds to the character of the quilt. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, too. And, I mean, even, like, I mean, so even, like, some of the antique quilts I have, you know, you can tell they were loved. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, they, they were are, used. You know, they used those worn, quilts. they're threadbare. And I have this habit, too, like, if I'm ever at um, a thrift store or, you know, a place like that or, a, oh, gosh, a garage sale, like, and I see quilts for sale, even if I don't love them, like, the design or the colors, if they're within my budget. Um, I buy them because I just think like, oh, it's so sad. Yes. Some it is person sad. probably it is sad. Like some person probably a woman, you know, put lots of hours into yes. this piece and then here it is at the thrift store. So I always buy them. If I like I said, if it if it's in my budget, um I give them a home because at least and then, you know, I, I have a, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just like I feel like I need to take care of these things like I feel responsible that you know it's I don't want it just to end up in the hands of somebody that doesn't care so um and in fact my a couple years ago my stepmom um when her mother had passed away they were going through her home and you know getting ready to sell a lot of things and she had quilts that so it's my stepmother's grandmother or great-grandmother made and there's I think four or five of them and she asked me if I wanted them. And I said, well, doesn't anyone, and, you know, I'm not related by blood to these right. people. I said, well, isn't, you know, that isn't, and she has a sister and, you know, she's got children and the sister has children. And I thought, well, and I asked, I said, well, doesn't anyone in your family want these? I mean, these were made by, you know, your great grandmother and your grandmother and nobody wanted them. Isn't so I said, I will, it is astounding. Like, even if you don't like quilts, it's just like, you know, that's a, an heirloom. Even if you don't, you know, if it's not your style or, you know, you're not into quilting, like that is a piece of history that yes. someone in your family made. And so I took them, I said, I will take them. But, and I have a, a half sister who, you know, so this would be her relative um, that maybe. So I said, you know, I will take them. But if anyone in your family ever wants them back, yes, I would, you know, give them to you. But that's very kind I of will, you. Yeah. I will give so them a home. You're the keeper of the quilts for the time being. <laughs> yeah. The keeper of the quilts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's just, you know, I know the work that is involved and I know the time, um, and energy that went into that. And, you know, you know, gosh, a lot of these things, you know, like you're talking about, they're hand pieced and hand quilted and I mean, just so much work went into them. So yeah, I feel really a sense of responsibility that they need to be, you know, given the respect of being cared for and, um, maintained. And loved still and cherished. When you studied art history, you probably didn't see a lot of fiber art in your textbooks. I mean, was that the case? Yeah, there wasn't a lot. You know, actually, when I was, I mean, because I, okay, I graduated my undergraduate degree in 99. Um, and at that point, there was still a fiber department at, in UC's art program. There was still actually a fiber department. So you could major in fibers. If, you know, you get your BFA in fibers and do, you know, textile or, or whatever um, sort of body of work you wanted to. So they still had a fibers department at that point, but at, I think when the, and the fibers department consisted of like one person, you know, one instructor, but, um, and when she retired, you know, the, that was the end of the fibers department. Oh, but the so funny sad. thing is, yeah. it is sad. It really is sad. But the funny thing is my husband is a painter and, um, we met in grad school and he, you know, I, I used to paint, and I part of me still wants to paint. And I I dabble and I play, oh, you but I should. feel like and then turn your paintings I into do. fabric. I do, but I, I I just feel like it's not there. Like this, I want to paint like I quilt. If that oh, makes sense, yeah, like yeah. I want to take these things that I design as quilts and paint in that way. Right. And I've tried to recreate with paint some of these things, like some of my designs. Um, and he has been telling me for years that I should. I don't have to use paint. I can use fabric. And he tells me names of artists, you know, very successful contemporary artists like Joe Fife and other people who work in fabric um, as their medium, but they're creating these pieces in a very painterly style. Mm -hmm. 
so that's kind of what I'm experimenting with now. And, um, awesome. you know, he's been, yeah, he's been telling me to do this for the past, not telling me to do it, but suggesting well, encouraging, that, encouraging, encouraging yes. me yeah. to do this for the last couple of years. So, um, that's what I'm kind of playing with now, which is really kind of exciting and fun. At what point did you officially decide like, okay, I'm going to make this my job? Well, like I said, when I started, I was doing um, the handmade children's things. Because at, at the point, um, when I had my first child, I was still doing real estate. But when baby number two came surprisingly quickly after the first one, <laughs> um, I, knew I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to go back to real estate. Because, right. it just, you know, I just, it was not for me. And so I was doing, I had an Etsy shop and I did, you know, handmade children's things. I thought, well, now that I'm going to have two babies because they're 18 months apart, um, I really needed to focus and, you know, make some money doing that. So that was kind of that forced foray into the handmade, you know, doing this handmade business as a business. Um, And then it transitioned. And, you know, I, I really, I enjoyed doing things for children and designing for kids, but, it wasn't my passion. So it was a transition into um, designing quilts and, and patterns. So, I mean, it probably took a couple years, you know, because I really felt like I needed to know what I was doing, <laughs> um, you know, if I was going to do this or attempt to do this as a business. Um, and, you know, trial and error, teaching and, you know, teaching to different places and, you know, figuring out what what worked and what I liked and you know, what I felt like I was good at. When things shifted from making things for kids to the quilting, the quilt focus, um, how did, how does your business look at that point? And how is that different than how it looks now? When I was making things for kids, it was, I was not offering patterns. So I was selling finished goods. Okay. Um, and they were, a lot of them were made to order because okay. I did some applique things. So a lot of, it was a lot of custom work. So, um, you know, it was always something new, which was exciting, but it was also challenging because it was, you know, you had, uh, you know, I spent X amount of time to, you know, complete that order and get that done and shipped. And, you know, I could, it really, I was, uh, you know, I felt like I was successful at it. I had a lot of sales. I was busy. I was making money, but it got to the point where I either needed to hire help or look into manufacturing and I'm more inspired and interested in the handmade aspect of it. Right. So I knew I didn't want to do manufacturing and I didn't want to, like I said, you know, if it were my passion and if I was, you know, really, really into it, I would have explored, you know, hiring help, but it was not, it was just wasn't my passion. So that's when I kind of transitioned into the more of the quilt work. Okay, and then selling your patterns so people could, yeah, download a pattern and get started. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, and I've been teaching too. I've been teaching, um, really for the past about four years. And that was um, really fast to get into I, teaching. I mean, you really, yeah, that it was, was great. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I taught locally first at a um, sewing studio, it's a great quilt store in Cincinnati. Um, taught some classes there, and then. Um, you know, through different people that I met, I was able to do some um, episodes of Quilting Arts TV, which is a great show on TBS, and then quilting at or teaching at um, various quilting shows throughout the country. So it was, um, you know, it's fortunate to be able to have opportunity to do that. That's great. But I love teaching. That's, is that that's your one of my, it, it is one of my favorite. It's so great to, you know, connect with people. And, um, because, you know, I work from home, I work from my home studio and, um, you know, not that it gets, I don't get lonely or bored because I'm always doing something, but it's really nice to have the opportunity to connect with like-minded people. Having a conversation um, and <laughs> having a <adult> conversation, <laughs> but also, yeah, just, you know, creating this and, and sharing my passion. And, you know, every time I teach, I get inspired by my students and hopefully I'm inspiring them as well. So it's, it's like I get filled up too, which is really great. Yeah. And you get to see what they're making too, which is really fun. Yeah. You know, right away. They're making, you don't which to, is totally fun. You don't have to wait yeah. for the blog post. You get to see it live, which That's is right. cool. That's right. As it happens. Well, I had put a little message out on um, 
social media that I was going to be interviewing you. And I did this like right before we started talking. So I was like, oh no, I oh, forgot yeah. to do that. So I wasn't sure if anyone would get the message in time. But um, there are a couple questions that came in from uh, Karen, who her online name is One Girl Circus. She's a pattern designer as well. I don't know if you. Oh, know. yeah. I love yeah. Karen. Yeah. Karen, I, Karen's yeah, we've met a couple times. Yeah. Karen's very she talented. She is. She's so incredibly she, her, talented. Yeah. Her, her question is that she was curious about how you manage being productive and maintaining your own cre creativity while also being a mom and a wife, because we all, all yeah. of us moms and wives out there know <laughs> that that takes a lot of your, you know, energy, your creative energy is kind of sometimes feels like it's being it sucked away. How do you maintain yours? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it really does. I mean, it's really hard to juggle everything. Um, I think now last year was the first year that both of my kids were in school for a full day. So how old so are got, they now? So my son just turned nine this uh, month, and my daughter is seven. Okay. So she'll be eight in February. Um, so they're in second and third grade. So last year, they were in first and second grade, and that was the first time that they were both out of the house. Mm -hmm. But when I had my handmade business, which I started, uh, the, the children's clothing business, which is the Olive and Ollie, which was the name of my old blog, um, that... I started when they were babies. I mean, I started it before my daughter was born. And a lot of times I had to stay up late, um, you know, after my baby was asleep and do orders. And so I got into the habit of, A, working on a little sleep mm -hmm. <laughs> and functioning on a little sleep and putting in long hours into um, whatever I needed to get done. So it's really easy to get burnt out as well. I mean, the thing is, I my husband is creative, and I think that helps because he's very supportive. Um, so he knows, I mean, like I said, he's a painter too, so he knows, you know, he has this desire and this need to create. So he's very respectful of um, helping out with the kids and giving me the time um, as much as he can as well. Um, but it's still hard. I mean, I wish there was an easy answer. There's, it's it's not. There's just no easy answer. It is a juggle. Um, I do feel now that they're in school, it's really amazing when they can get done in like seven hours in the day. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. really amazing. Yeah, you can get more done um, then than in 24 oh my hours. Gosh, and, I can, yes. and I can sleep. I can get real sleep. Um, so I think, I mean, I find inspiration, like I said, I mean, kind of in odd places. So it just, that's what drives me. I mean, I think finding that creativity and finding that inspiration um, and then like the challenge to translate whatever that inspiration may be into something, whatever it is, you know, be it a quilt or painting, that's kind of what keeps me going. You know, books, magazines, that type of stuff too, and things that you see online. I mean, that all helps. Do you have a favorite place to go look for inspiration if you're feeling kind of like, okay, what am I going to make today? The kids are at school and I have some time, but I don't have a particular thing that I'm going to do. Where do you like to look for inspiration? I mean, and I, I take my kids with me and there we have, Cincinnati has a great um, conservatory. It's a, like a big greenhouse. And, you know, we've been, well, I've been going there since I was a little kid, but, you know, I love that and looking at the beautiful plants, um, different types of plants, specimens that are on display and the zoo and the aquarium I and mean, just weird like places that I take, not weird places, but places that I take my kids. Um, those are probably the biggest places other than like what I see in my everyday life that I draw inspiration or at least, you know, some sort of inspiration that I will use down the road um, from those types of places. Do you take a lot of photos? Oh my gosh, I do. Yeah. On my phone. And I, you know, get reprimanded because I don't always update my phone and I don't know <laughs> I run out of space really easily and my husband's like it's because you don't take all your pictures off so yes <laughs> I take a lot of pictures on my cell phone is it challenging sometimes when you both are in a creative field uh, and you're trying to like both have creative time at the same time and the kids are underfoot and it's gonna you know I mean how do you guys work that out to make sure do you both work at home or does he work outside of the house he's a professor at the University of Dayton. He teaches art. He teaches painting. So he does work out of the house, but okay. he has a studio here at home too. So he does work out of the house, but he works at home too. You know, I wouldn't be here. He's one of the persons that, you know, or the reasons why I do what I do too, because he's always been supportive of me. Um, 
even, you know, when I was had that crazy thought to do real estate, he supported me to do that as well. So, I mean, he's always been very supportive of whatever I wanted to do and has always encouraged me to do, um, you know, to follow my heart and do what I wanted to do. And it's great because, I mean, I get to ask his opinion on designs. Yeah, and he's um, an artist. So it's, and sometimes yeah. I listen to, you know, <laughs> his opinion and sometimes I just say, no, that's all right. Um, <laughs> you know, even though he's the one with the MFA. So, um, you know, the, it's, it's nice, but it's really nice because, you know, you can bounce ideas or, you know, bringing back the phone again. I mean, that's the fun thing. Like when we are out and about, you know, even with the kids, like going somewhere and we both see something and, you know, it's like really good when we're both taking a picture of it. So we often, um, you know, are drawn to the same thing. And really I think his work has influenced my work too, because he is a minimalist abstract painter, you know, very much interested in, simplification and kind of boiling things down to the most important elements, which is pretty much what my work is about too. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's been, it's, you know, I don't have anything else to compare it to, but it's been a good match. What advice do you have for folks who maybe have been kind of pushing that down a little bit and maybe not answering that creative call and just thinking, okay, I'm going to keep going to my day job and I'm just going to kind of not not do that thing I feel compelled to do. Yeah. What do you have to say to those folks? I do what you're compelled to do. (laughs) (laughs) Follow your heart. I mean, really like, even if it even, and I know how hard it is because like I said, I mean, gosh, when I was, you know, had the two babies and I was doing the handmade stuff, it was, you know, up at night, like late night. So, you know, I know how hard it is if you have other responsibilities um, but if you still feel that drive to do it, even if it means less sleep, just explore it. You never know until you try. Because, yeah, someone would have told me, you know, five, six years ago, even four years ago, that this would be, you know, that I would be where I am right now. I, you know, would find it hard to believe. So you don't know what is going to happen. And if you don't do it, nothing's going to happen. So right. and this is advice, too, that I wish I would have had in school, you know, like back in college when I was, you know, kind of too scared to put myself out there and do my own art, you know, I, you always live and learn. And I, you know, obviously the path that I'm on led to where I needed to be. So, you know, it's not like I would have necessarily changed anything, but it would have also been good to know that, you know, you can do anything you want to, you just have to put your mind to it and it's going to be hard work, but there's nothing you can't do. And that was a lesson that um, I didn't learn until later in life. So, that's what I'm going to teach my children. And I, I'm trying to teach them that now. So, Well, you're kind of teaching, what you're I would teaching do. them already because they can see you. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's they, true. Yeah. They, can, they see what you're doing and they pay attention. Yeah. They totally pay attention yeah. to that. And, yeah, and that's really sure. um, pretty exciting too, because especially, you know, for, for moms to be able to be, you know, present in their kid's life, because what you're doing, you know, you're, yeah. you're present because they see you working at home. Um, yeah. you know, they see what you're doing and then, you know, you're going to be able to, have they seen your, what do they have to say about your book? How, what's, what's your kid's review on, on your book? <laughs> what did they <laughs> have to say? pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, I have one copy here that I got, um, early and so I showed them and they, of course they knew that I was working on a book because, you know, they were spending lots of time with dad, um, you know, when, when I needed to finish deadlines. And so they knew that, um, a book was coming, but, I think until they really saw it, you know, and plus they're young. So, I mean, it was very, you know, such a abstract concept to them. But I think when they first saw it, like that was, they were really excited to see my name on the, um, you know, they're like, it's a real book. I said, yeah, it's a real book. And so I think, <laughs> I think it'll be really fun when um, they see it like in a store. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like on the shelf of like Barnes and Noble, like that it will be. Uh, even legit. So my, it, they're both funny. I mean, my daughter loves to come and my studio was very much open to them. It's always been that way because, you know, it had to be really because, you know, I had to do work yet. I still had to be their mother too. So, um, and I wanted to, I mean, that's kind of why I started doing this because I wanted to be home with them. So um, they're always in and out of my studio and my daughter loved to play with fabric and I've got a big design wall and she loves to put things on the, um, the wall and we started to sew together. And she wants to design clothes. I mean, she, you know, wants to turn things into dresses. So that's exciting. um, And then my, it is exciting. And it'll be really fun to see, 
you know, if this continues with her, she's very, they're both very creative, but she, I mean, she both paint. She's, she's very much, um, very, very artistic. And my son is very creative, but in a more, um, a different way. His big thing are Legos. Like he loves to build these beautiful, um, things out of Legos and my brain just does not work that way. So it's really fun to see, um, their personalities coming together. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they, they were excited about the book and they, they realized that, you know, I, I do have to leave them to teach and it's, it's never easy on them. Um, they don't like when I go because they're so used to having me here, but I also explained to them, you know, because I do work from home, I'm able to be with them most of the time. So every once in a while I do have to leave, but it allows me to be with them longer. So they're starting to realize that too, as they get a little bit older. And I don't need to tell you this, but I'm telling, this is for the benefit of the listeners, by STC Craft, which is the top craft book publisher in the country. I mean, arguably so. There's some other great publishers out there, but STC, I mean, is a powerhouse in this area. They make beautiful books. And Melanie has been on the show, the editor who puts these together. She's been on the show and Mm -hmm. just a great lineup of people that she's worked with. And, you know, I'm just curious about, um, did they approach you or did you approach them with with a book idea? Yeah. Yeah, Melanie approached me. It was um, pretty amazing. Actually, I remember, too, because I'll never forget. I had gotten an email. um, Gosh, I'm trying to think when this was. It was like fall of uh, maybe 2012 because I was teaching at the Makery the following spring of 2013. And so I get this email one day. You know, I'm working at home, and I get this email, and it's from Melanie Fallick. And she said something like, you know, I'm not sure if you know, you know, if you're familiar with my work. And I thought, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you, are you kidding me? Like, you make amazing. I knew who I obviously knew who she was. Um, she, you know, makes, hadn't at that point had made some of my most favorite craft books. I mean, when she was yeah, responsible they, they, for bringing them to print. Books. Oh my gosh, beautiful books. So, so of course it was, that was another one of those like surreal moments. Like, really? Are you kidding me? So, um, and she had seen my name, um, on the lineup of teaching, uh, faculty at the Makery in Boulder, Colorado. So, uh, she reached out to me then and we planned, you know, we, she asked if I had ever thought about submitting a book proposal and we, we talked some back and forth. And at that point I was really busy doing, you know, other, um, projects that I was working on. Other, she was in no rush, so we actually um, corresponded some via email for a couple months, and then we met at the first QuiltCon, which was in February of 2013. Um, and we met in person, and we talked, and um, I was really nervous because at that uh, conference, I was giving a lecture on finding inspiration in everyday things, and she was in the audience, and <laughs> so that was a little nerve-wracking. So you're like, I um, could lose a book deal here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and we, and at that point, we had set up a time to chat and to talk, and um, so, you know, I knew that there were, and, and we had discussed things, you know, via phone and email, Right. Um, and I knew that that was certainly a possibility, but it was also you know, it was nerve wracking, but, um, she's just fantastic and she's been wonderful to work with. And, um, it's so bittersweet that she, you know, recently left, um, STC to really, you know, to find her own passion and to, to figure out what she wants to do with her life. So I'm really excited for her. Um, but it was, and I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to work with her, um, while she was still there because she's just, I mean, really incredible. So is this one of the last books that she worked on or? Yeah. 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 I I know. And, you know, from what we've, we've talked and, and uh, been in communication since she left earlier this year, but um, I think she's doing some things, you know, still, um, you know, that were in the pipeline on a freelance, yeah, yeah, on a freelance um, basis. But, um, and, you know, maybe one day we'll work together again because it would be, you know, it'd be an honor. She's just, pretty incredible so and yes she just makes the most beautiful books Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want people to know either about your book or your work or just anything in general that you would like to tell the folks at home um maybe some a couple more things about the book um the book has I mean a lot of my work is minimal um and mm, somewhat easy to construct which is really what I'm drawn to. Um, as we talked about earlier, you know, I was really intimidated by the art of quilt making. 
So I like to create patterns that I think are beautiful, but that are also um, not necessarily the most complex to put together because, you know, we all, you know, we're all so busy. We don't have a lot of time. So it's nice to be able to make something that doesn't take weeks and weeks and weeks or months to finish um, because it, you really, I think there's such a great sense of accomplishment in finishing, you know, a project of no matter what that project is, but just finishing the project. Um, so the book ranges from, you know, really simple projects and quite minimal projects to some more complex designs as well. So it's a nice, um, you know, group of, of different skill levels. Would you say that the the quilt um, Dayton on number uh, Dayton number one on uh, page seventy six? Uh-huh. Would you say that's one of probably the one of the easiest quilts in in the book? Would you say for someone yeah. that has little time but they want to still do? I mean, because that's actually one that I I'm going to try to throw that one together quickly because I I love it. I love the concept of it, and I'm like, man. That's really cool. And, yeah, and it, thank you. Yeah, and it's not yeah. something that requires, I mean, if you're sewing, you're talking about the seams here. Uh, if I count them up, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like eight, eight seams, basically, um, that you're sewing total yeah, for the whole like thing. That. Yeah, And yeah. it's, and, but it has a very, it's a, it has a, re- a great impact. Um, and, and this was yeah. based on, it's a, based on a church you saw in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, the architecture of a church. Yeah, I was actually um, next door to the church at this really cool kind of um, building, well, store that has all these random things. It was, you know, it's one of those uh, overstock type places. So, and I just happened to look and I, that, um, there was an image of a cross in the architecture of this church. And it was just really strong, this contrast between the orange brick and this kind of creamy white stone. And it was just really I found it really beautiful and striking. So, yeah, that's when I pulled out my camera and took a quick snapshot of it with my cell phone. Yep, and it's, it makes a gorgeous quilt. So it's, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's really – and you can – you've given a variation where um, you have one uh, – a white uh, cross. And it really looks like it's a – it's not the traditional cross. It's like a plus – it looks like a plus sign. Yeah. It's reduced. So it's more yeah. – it has a boxy feel to yeah. it. And you can make it with um, with just, uh, what, five squares? Yep, five squares, yep. and you have your cross. Yep. And then um, your background in on the first version is all red. And then you yep. show it version number two is um, looks like an army green with still yep. the red cross and then cream yep. around around the cross. And that really is it, it quite – those are two very different quilts. It's the same quilt, but the yep. color, just changing the colors, um, gives it quite a bit of variation. So it's Yeah, fun. and I think – I think that's another thing that it was important to say, too. I mean, we talked briefly about that, um, you know, I've done every project in two color ways. Because, and the more that I teach, the more I see that a lot of people, you know, they see a pattern in a book or a magazine or, you know, a physical pattern, and they often want to duplicate it and use the exact same colors and the exact same, you know, prints and or even solids, and that's fine. But a lot of people, um, I think, have trouble seeing that, you know, the same pattern could look totally different just by changing colors or changing fabrics. So that was one reason why I really wanted to do this. Um, And I know some people do, you know, digital mock-ups of another colorway, but to me that's not the same. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't ever read like an actual finished quilt does, you know, made out of fabric. So um, really then each project became a way to discuss color theory and fabric selection. And that is, um, really why I wanted to do the two colorways because like I said it just hopefully gives people that impetus to either you know like you said make the third colorway or you know just not to realize that they can bring something of their own to what I did in my design Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what it's all about really you know absolutely and I think that this is a very successful book and that it does just really inspire people to give it a whirl and I love that there's quilts in here that busy moms and dads who only have a little bit of time can sit down at their sewing machines and still whip something up quickly and it's very satisfying you get a great result and then when you quilt it now i'm curious do you do your all the quilting yourself or do you send out your quilts i do all the quilting myself excellent what kind of machine do you use or machines it's probably (laughs) yeah so i piece i piece actually with a vintage singer it's a singer 281 which is an industrial machine um, and it is from, I think, the late 60s. And then um, all the books in the, um, or I'm sorry, all the quilts in the book were quilted with a, um, it's a juki on a grace frame. 
Okay. So it's a relatively inexpensive way to have a long arm machine. Um, and it's not fancy. It's not computerized. I mean, I'm still, you know, driving it. I don't have a stitch regulator or anything, but it, um, it gets the job done. And it's, I'm really happy with the result because a lot of my work is so minimal. So I don't, I do minimal quilting, um, to compliment the minimal designs that well, I the make. quilting is beautiful though i i, I really thank like you the quilting and yeah well it's totally it's inspired by denise schmidt um denise does a lot of times on her quilt um this really regular beautiful figure eight pattern mm-hmm. you know that's very precise and um throughout the whole quilt and so i um had been playing with my machine and came up with this sort of riff on that where um, it's still a figure eight, but it's very loose and very organic and uh, kind of full of irregularities, but it's, it's kind of fun. So it's kind of my go-to design now. And one thing I forgot to ask you, um, is your studio like inside your house or yep. out in the back? Yep. Or, yeah. No, it's in our house. It's in actually the formal living room. Okay. We have a family room too. So it's, yeah, it's open to the dining room and near the front door, um, you know, off a hallway. So, but yeah, it's literally in our house. So do you ha- feel pressure to keep things clean if, if people come over or do you just kind of um, do, do what you need to do? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. I try to keep it somewhat clean, but you know, it is also a working space, so it gets messy yeah and now i'm gonna lead you to be able to go back to whatever you had planned this evening thank you so much for your patience oh you're welcome sharing your story i've really enjoyed talking to you oh thank you i did too many thanks to heather for coming on the show i really appreciate it i really enjoyed speaking with heather about her career her art her quilts and her new book and i really hope you folks at home enjoyed it as well and i hope you're feeling particularly inspired because it wasn't long ago that Heather Jones was, you know, not a household name in the world of quilting. She, in a very compressed amount of time, made a name for herself. Now publishing books and contributing to other people's books and teaching across the country. So if you hunker down and do the work and show your work, chances are somebody's going to notice. And it might take longer than it took Heather, but do not lose heart, folks. Just keep doing what you love and what you feel compelled to do at some point. I'm telling you, if you commit to this and you keep doing what you're doing, somebody's going to notice and you will get your chance to run and bounce off that springboard too. I really believe that. I do. I will be back soon with another show. I'll give you a little preview here. I actually uh, recorded a podcast with Anna Joyce, who has a, a great website and a great product line and a new book. This is another STC craft title. So we're doing two back to back. So look forward to that. And once again, I'd like to thank my Patreon sponsors for contributing to keep this show going. Thank you so very much. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I think I need to get do something to kind of get in contact with you folks because I'm looking for some new podcast ideas and I'd like you folks to weigh in. So I will be sending out a note about that soon. Uh, I invite any of you other folks out there listening, uh, who, if you have a good idea, by all means, do not sit on it like a giant goose egg. Share it with me, please. You can reach me by emailing jennifer at craftsanity.com. And um, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what you're making. Tell me what you know you think I should be podcasting about. I'd appreciate the feedback and your input. I also want to thank Ted and his team at acshomeandwork.com. This is the place that I get tea towels and other home goods that I use in natural dyeing projects, embroidery projects, and also uh, my printmaking. They have some good stuff over there. And uh, speaking of printmaking, I am, uh, I've been completely swamped uh, back at the college. We've had, uh, we're only on, I'm preparing for my fourth class of the semester, so we're only in week two. We've had so much news, it's ridiculous. We've actually beat the local newspaper, my former employer, on <laughs> a couple stories. It's really been fun for me to watch my students um, already thriving in week two of the semester. This is really fantastic. So uh, I've been very busy. So I haven't actually launched my second Etsy shop yet, uh, the one that will be dedicated to printmaking. But I've been uh, printing Volkswagen uh, buses that I carved, the one I carved uh, while I was on vacation this, this summer. And... Uh, I have some turtles and I have some other um, one that I just made as a joke that um, it's kind of a political joke, which is always a risk. Um, a political joke nearly ended this podcast quite a few years ago. Oh, man, that was that was a 
<laughs> crazy time. Um, so anyway, I will be posting that soon. If you want to know what I've been up to, you can head over to Instagram. You can find me under the name Craft Sanity. So there's a lot going on over here. Tap dance class was canceled today. I did go last week. Super fun. Any of you are itching to get back to one of the basic, you know, dance classes you took as a kid, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. I bought myself a little dance floor at the hardware store, went to Home Depot and bought myself a little plywood <laughs> so I can tap in my office. Uh, I did practice a couple times last week. I did not. I, so far this week, I have not practiced. So don't tell my teacher that. Uh, a lot came back from my <laughs> my days as a elementary school tap dancer. I have not probably done this since I was, I would say, 10. It's kind of crazy how the heel ball change and the shuffles and all that, like it just in your head, you just like know what to do. Now, I was never like a Shirley Temple level of tap dancer. So um, I'm kind of starting from a very basic point, but I'm having fun. So the class was canceled today because they waxed the floor and they needed 72 hours to keep, you know, no tapping for 72 hours. So um, probably was a good thing because I have a lot of work to do, folks. So I'm going to get back to that. But I will be dropping another show soon. So you can look forward to that. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Oh, my. I almost forgot to tell you this. Heather Jones did a Q&A that is published on craftsanity.com. So head over there and have a look, and I'll point you to all the things that Heather has available online. Phew, I'm so glad I remembered that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week will be craft.